welcome to the Highlander Rewatch Podcast, the podcast where each and every week we talk about another facet of the Highlander universe. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Hey, welcome to Corona Chronicle number 11. 11. 11. Ooh, lucky number 11. Now I know. We're, this is like the home stretch, everybody. So we're really excited about this. So we're doing these episodes. We took a little bit of a break from season six uh, during COVID. Uh, since we all can't be together. <laughs> a little bit of a break. Just a little bit. We took a little bit of a break while America was literally shut down and crippled by a, a literal plague. A break. For months. A little break. A little break. Anyway, so we're here. How are you guys? I'm all fired up about this plague now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Is it because I referred to it as thinking about a little bit of a break? I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. I mean, I feel like we all go through peaks and valleys on this thing where sometimes I'm like, you know, being quarantined is great. I'm just like at home. I've played video games and watched movies for the first time in a while. You know, this is swell. And then other times I'm like, this is literally the worst thing that has happened in my lifetime. <laughs> you know, so, you know, it, uh, it comes and goes. Look at that. All right. Like this worm. Also, oh, Keith, I, are you wearing a South Fellini shirt? I am. There it is. Ooh, John. 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 That is the symbol for Wawa, which if you don't have those in your area, they're kind of like a sheets. I don't know. It's like a gas station where you can also buy hoagies and kind of anything else. Coffee and ice Cheese cream. pretzels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Breakfast uh, sandwiches. But it is the Wawa symbol, which is a beloved institution here in Philadelphia, only with like our slogan of John. That's right. But I feel you, Kyle, on that, uh, that up and down thing. Uh, it's tough. I don't know. I mean, like, and we get together to record the podcast. And this is like, I don't know, not easy all the time. Uh, you know, like there's a lot of stuff going on. And as much as I love Highlander and I love everybody out there listening to this, uh, sometimes Highlander is the last thing on my mind, uh, which is weird, right? I don't know. It's like, I'd rather be talking about some other stuff right now because it seems important. But here we are talking about Highlander. Well, I do think <laughs> a little bit of escapism is important for people. A yes. little dose of irreality is important to help you face whatever real shit might be going on, both for you individually and in the world at large. So That's right. You know. We'll all indulge together for a moment. How you doing, Amy? Of the thos, mythos. Mm, what real shit's going on for you? Uh, so I'm moving. So uh, I've been packing a lot and moving all my shit into my girlfriend's house. That's, that's exciting. Will soon be also my house. Look at that. Not legally, but <laughs> I will live there. That's great. Does she know you're going to start calling it your house? Yeah. Yeah. I think, <laughs> or, oh, good. You know what? I don't know. I, 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 I don't think I know if I'm going to start calling it my house. I think I'm going to still call it her house for a while. Mm. Well, that takes a minute. Yeah. She owns this establishment that I'm in right now. I didn't know oh, that. She does. Well, that's exciting. Is that the right word? So uh, she's like your landlord now. Basically, she could like evict me at any time. Mm-mm. You just wrote a country album, I think. Uh, my, my girlfriend girl, is my <laughs> landlord. <laughs> the the first the title track is "She Could Evict Me at Any Time." She could evict me at any time if I don't do the dishes and wash my clothes. I'll be on the curb tonight. Yeah, it's a hit. It's going triple platinum, baby. That's right. I'm gonna get Lil Nas X to come in on it. That's right. Yeah. He's going to take his horse down your old eviction. That's right. <laughs> um, so uh, what have you guys been doing? I don't know. You see any, we always do like a little what you've been watching recap, I think at the beginning of these things, because that's what most people out there are doing, I guess. Or have you been doing other stuff? You guys gone to any, any walks? Go to a park? I don't know. I yeah. was at a park with you, Keith. So oh, that's right. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, we celebrated our friend's birthday mm -hmm. that was the first well, time i had actually gotten together with like friends uh yeah. outside, outside of my house so that was nice yeah we were socially distanced in a on lemon hill mm -hmm. uh so lots of space between us it was good it was a beautiful There's night between mm -hmm. <laughs> that's very cool uh, i've been taking the the dogs on long walks which is nice because it's kind of my one time when i'm really getting out of the house 
Nice. And also, it's, like, very necessary, because if he doesn't get a walk, my dog's going to be, like, an insane cretin running around my house. Uh, but, you know, that's been nice. Uh, the weird part is, like, you know, I live pretty close to one of, like, the main restaurant drags in Philadelphia. It's, you know, a 10-minute walk, and I'm on it. And it is insane how many people are out when the weather is nice without masks on at all the various dining establishments. And at the same time, I'm like very excited because I love a lot of these businesses and I want them to be open and doing well. But then at the same time, I'm like, oof, why is no one wearing a goddamn mask? <laughs> so, you know, real mixed bag there. But you can yeah. get an alcoholic slushy that someone will hand you out a window and that's kind of fun. That is fun. I like that. I am not 100% sure what the open <laughs> container laws have become in Philly, but it's pretty clear that no one gives a shit at the moment. Nope, nobody cares. So it's kind of got that New Orleans or Savannah vibe where you can just kind of take a drink to go. A place near my uh, soon-to-be former apartment, um, they have outdoor seating. It's a bar. So after after I pack for the day... Um, my girlfriend would come pick me up and we'd stop there for a drink um, and sit at one of their outside tables. Well, now like the city has it. So you have to be eating food if you're sitting out there, like you can't just be out there and have a drink. Really? So they give you like a bag of chips. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just huh. like, that doesn't make sense. Nope. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. That's very uh, strange. It takes me back to like, I don't know, people have been doing this nonsense for a while where they like try to restrict drinking with these weird regulations. And there's like a very proud American tradition of like giving the giant middle finger to them. Apparently a very popular thing, and I don't know why this is so, would be like you would get to see a show during which like you'd get a drink. And the show would be like, here's a prized pig. And like you would see a pig and get to have a drink. And, like, ostensibly you were there to look at a goddamn hog for some huh. reason while they served you drinks. And it's like, yeah, this is, like, some ye olde temperance movement stuff. But, you know, Crazy. bag of chips is way easier. Wow. Yeah. Mm. And then they have a beer garden next door, um, which you're allowed to have open drinks in, but it has to have a cover over it. Weird. Wait, what sense does that make? Like a lid? Like on a yeah, cup? Like a, like a plastic lid on a cup. Huh? And like a straw. Oh, is it because they want you to use straws? I guess. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's straws. I, I have no idea. Weird. Makes sense. Big straw lobby. Mm. Big straws. Well, I'm not going to use a paper straw. I'm going to use a plastic straw. Like, it's my God-given right as an <laughs> yeah. Can I uh, share a thing with you guys? Uh, no. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's very upsetting to me. Uh, uh, replace some lights in the old room here. Get a lot of, get a lot of this. I don't like it. It's too bright. I'm so sorry. I apologize. Uh, on your on your dome. Yeah, it's very bright and glary on my camera here. So. Yeah, I was gonna say, be sorry for that. I am sorry. I'm looking at it. I'm like, this isn't going well. We should start over with less <laughs> lights. <laughs> Highlander. That's right. I watched the movie Dolomite the other day. Ooh. Ooh. Like, or excuse me, not, not, well, I watched both. I did watch the original Dolomite movie from the 70s, but I also watched My Name is Dolomite, I think. Is Dolomite the, is my name. Or Dolomite is my name, I'm sorry, with uh, Edward Murphy. Edward Murphy. It was great, Edward, I thought. Yeah, Eddie Murphy does, a, it works very hard in that movie. Yeah, he was great. Uh, I watched Dolomite afterwards, and uh, he does him some real, Rudy Ray Moore, some real favors with his acting. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he definitely does act that part better than Rudy Ray Moore did. <laughs> but, but yeah, very fun. I highly recommend it. It's on Netflix everybody, uh, for everybody. And yeah, uh, his whole, that whole story is wild, though. Like, I do not think I knew very much about the, the man behind Dolomite. Like, I'd seen the original, like, one or two Dolomite movies before seeing Dolomite is My Name. But his, like, personal bio is kind of fascinating and it's like weird because it's like a kind of uplifting tale it's like well look at this guy like really 
combating all the odds to make something of himself, but it's like, of course, this really foul, terrible product. Right. Like, it's kind of genius in that way. Like, yeah. It yeah, kind of takes a bunch of tropes and flips them. He's a good Murphy. He's a good Murphy. Not meet, a bad Murphy. Meet Dave. There we go. Highlander. Highlander. Let's talk about it, guys. Okay, so here we go, listeners. Uh, we've got some reader mail here. Uh, we've got, I think there's seven or eight of these this week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so to let everybody know up front, these are actually like the last of the, the, the old batch, unlike the Gremlins 2. The new batch. The new, the new batch. These are the old batch. Uh, so these are uh, the kind of backlog of emails that we couldn't get to. Uh, so we're going to read them today. And so what we'll probably do is next week, we're going to do another reader, reader mail episode, which will be our last one for a bit, I think, because or last, our last reader mail episode, not last episode. Uh, so we're going to read all the emails that we got during uh, the pandemic. Uh, so in the past couple months. Um, and then what we're going to do is we are going to take a little bit of a break and we are going to try to do return to season six. Yay. Big announcement, right? Uh, so obviously we have been taking a break for a while because it's not safe for us to be together. Um, but at the same time, things don't seem to be ending soon. And, you know, we all work in different jobs and live with different people that are at different levels of risk. And none of us want to take a chance of getting anyone sick uh, or hurting anyone near us. So we'd still like to remain separate. Uh, but at the same time, we recognize that, like, it has been a while without our regular episodes. And we miss it, too. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to try to do our best to record uh, at least one season six episode and see how it goes, right? Yeah, we'll give it the old college try, and hopefully we can uh, hold to the same standard that you've come to expect. Yes, hopefully. It might be a little different, but also that might be good. I don't know. Uh, you never know. It's fun to just chat like this. This is a little different than our normal show. Uh, yeah. So that's good. And plus, we'll also have, I, I think there's one or two Adrian tapes that are left. Uh, we're definitely going to have some interviews coming your way, which will be exciting. All that sort of stuff. So that's yeah. what's in store. So should I uh, start off with uh, an email here? Crack yes. it off. All right. Email number one. All right. And a lot of these are kind of more general emails uh, that we got like after the end of season five, I guess. Uh, so this is a Patreon message from James R. Uh, this is from April 15th, 2020. Uh, so James writes, Hey guys, thanks for keeping the podcast going despite the times we live in. Hey, that's now. Um, if you're doing reader mail, uh, then I thought I'd get your opinions. Uh, wait, what? If you're doing reader mail, then I had a thought I'd like to get your opinions on. Here we go. There you I, go. Nailed I, it. I can read. It's, it's rough, guys. Um, I recently listened to your episodes on the first film and thoroughly enjoyed them, but I do disagree with one point about the Kurgan. Uh oh, oh buck one up here. There we Let's go. Hear it. I actually think the Kurgan would love the prize. Maybe not the mor uh, mortality part, but I think he would be all over the expanded telepathy and empathy powers if, like Connor says, with the prize, he can help people in powerful positions understand each other. Then it seems to me that the Kurgan could do the inverse and prey upon people's fears, hatred, racism, and weaknesses. He could be a cult leader. He could instigate race riots and class warfare, or even uh, be a worm tongue for the world's leaders. Uh, Ooh, no matter, yeah, nice. Uh, no matter Good what Lord path, of the Rings reference. No matter what path he chose, pretty soon uh, there would be no one left standing uh, in the shadow of the mushroom cloud. I think once the bombs were launched, then, uh, then the Kurgan would laugh uh, heartily, knowing that he was the greatest warrior who ever lived. Now, that, uh, now that's burning out and not fading away. Thanks again, and stay safe. That's, you know, that's interesting. That's pretty cool. Just side note, I don't remember whether we tackled it this way. I think, well, let me phrase that. I think that uh, the listener is responding to the way we tackled this which assumed that the Kurgan and Connor got identical prizes. Right. I also, I'm going to interrupt real quick because I read the wrong name. I think this email is from uh, Clinton. Not, oh, whoops. Not James. I apologize. I think it was a copy-paste issue. So there we go. Sorry. How dare you? I wanted to correct uh, it before we moved on. <laughs> Clinton or James. Yeah. Thank you for the email. Uh, do we necessarily need to assume that connor's prize and the kurgan's prize are the same maybe like the empathy telepathy thing is the same but do we know for a fact that they all become mortal in the context of the first movie or is that 
unique to Connor, who clearly desires that. Like, if the Kurgan doesn't want to become mortal, does that mean he does? Right. I don't know. That's a good idea. I like that the prize fits, like, the the winner of the game. Yeah, or, like, you know, it almost sounds like he has the ability, like, one way to contextualize it might be you have the ability to sacrifice your immortality if you want to. I don't know. Yeah. Obviously, this is a, a series of counterfactuals, but just something to chew on. Like I agree with that. Turns into, like, an actual dragon. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's his prize. He's just like, I'm Schmaug now. Mm-hmm. And he lays on a pile of gems and gold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He must create so many jobs. He <laughs> <laughs> just all the jobs with all those gems and gold. Did I did I mention this on the podcast before? Did you guys ever see the Benedict Cumberbatch motion capture for Smaug? It's no. incredible. You have to look it up. It's so funny. He's like acting like a dragon, and he's like, like bra, like on his hands and knees here since since we're uh, doing things differently it's uh you know a zoom thing uh how about while you're reading the next email i'll get up that clip so we can all watch it together and share in this moment because it I, is good amen you you shared that with me for the first time and yeah uh, it's, it's good on a related note i recently rewatched the uh what's it the ralph bakshi animated hobbit Ooh. so 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 much better than the the Peter Jackson trilogy. Oh, so really? So much better. Oh, yeah. Uh, first off, I loved it. Love Leonard Nimoy. The songs are so goofy and amazing. But one thing that is, the, I think the, the best thing about it is just seeing um, the Peter Jackson movies have left such like an imprint on what these characters are and what they look like and what even just the things they describe look like. You know, you're, what is a goblin? Peter Jackson, like all that stuff is like it looms so large so seeing someone reinterpret all this shit 30 years beforehand without that context stuff looks just so different like his take on what Gollum looks like is crazy he looks like some kind of weird swamp monster (laughs) uh you know the whole thing is really worth it it's only an hour long and i want to say it's on hbo right now so like totally worth the time to revisit and the animation is really sweet i think uh it's got just like such a unique look anyway wow here i I, i've got the uh the the clip up so we can watch it now before we get into the next thing deal do it oops one second zoom trouble baby all right screen share i'm so excited about this babies all right here we go you guys can see it bam yeah This is so weird. Is this like some high? Well, thief. I smell you. I hear your breath. I feel your air. I kill wherever I please, and none can stop me. Sorry. And no doubt you purloined it for your filthy dwarf friends. You have nice manners for a liar and a thief. This. Is some sordid scheme hatched between them and those miserable top trading legs? All right, we'll stop I there. I just want to know what it was like when he was practicing this at home. Like, I like to think he was just like sitting there on his carpet, like, all right, and now I'm kind of going to hump the ground. I'm going to do that on this line. Smell him like a dragon tail, like to put on. Amazing. 
would be good. Well, that was a treat. Thank you, Eamon. Oh, yes. Thank you, Mr. Cumberbatch. That's <laughs> true. Eamon, do you want to keep the train rolling and read this next one? Sure. This email is from Roy M. An email for your consideration in the next Mailbag Spectacular. That's Greetings. this one. That's right. Greetings, rewatchers and purveyors of Highlander fuckery. This that's email, us. That's us. This email is an attempt to ruin your day. I don't do it because I want to. I do it because there are things that need to be settled and because I want to. I feel <laughs> that there are things that need to be said that have been dropped that need to be brought back up, potentially at the cost of your sanity. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. Here we go. We're entering Gauntlet the throne of madness. For example, in the episode where you drunkenly discussed <laughs> one to three and you played a rousing game of Watcher 2, Aim brought up a comment that read, that's a nice 9-11. He <laughs> had just heard some racist twaddle in another comment and still on the drunken edge about that, immediately thought that the person who commented was talking about 9-11, the terrorist attack. But unfortunately, you guys forgot about the Porsche 911 that Hyde was driving for most of the episode. Which was named after the September 11th attacks. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, good, good joke. Yeah, that's good. I get it. You were drunk. And by the way, you guys are much higher functioning drunks than I am. But come on. Fair. How about that? I didn't know about a, a car, the Porsche 911. I didn't know about a car. What even are cars? I don't know. They're d delightful Pixar characters. There we go. Yeah, a 2020 Porsche 911. Ooh, care to guess how much a uh, uh, a 2020 model of this car would cost? It's a manufacturer suggested retail price. Ninety thousand dollars. <laughs> I'll say sixty. Amen. Damn fine work there. $97,400. Mmm. Fuck you, Keith. <laughs> Smoked him. Wow. Smoke it. That's an expensive... Uh, That's an expensive... Yeah. Never forget. That's right. Before I finish this email, did I ever tell you about... I, I read the junior novelization of the movie The Mask. No. Uh -oh. I didn't and know they made a junior novelization. This is when I was a kid. Um, and it's, I loved The Mask. I was a huge Mask fanatic, uh, which is why these times I, I'm just in heaven. Um, <laughs> but instead of, instead of Somebody him, saying, stop him smoking, he said snazzy. Instead of smoking? Yep. Oh, because it was for kids? I guess. Whoa, weird. I, I have a, also had a question. When you brought up that there was a junior novelization, does that mean that there was an adult novelization? You know it. Mm. Mm. Second, the upstairs to Joe's bar had a fire escape. Discuss. <laughs> oh, it's for safety. And you know Richie's the kind of guy who would just like uh, sneak in through a fire escape so it doesn't get carted. That's very true. That's true. Much Richie. like uh, Stam and uh, Clarissa explains it all. Is, was that his name? The guy that would come in on the ladder? What did, what did you call him? I heard Stam as a Sam? name. Sam. Was it Maybe Sam? it was Sam. And when he came in, they would be the guitar strum? Yeah. yeah. Third, in your discussion of the Stone of Schoon, in the tavern scene where McLeod tries to strong-arm the fart lord with 100 guineas... <laughs> we criticized the manner in which McLeod was negotiating with Crimmins. Had it occurred to any of you that because of his prior resistance to trying to steal the crown jewels, he was trying to sabotage the entire thing and stop Fitzcarran from going through with the heist? Admittedly, McLeod can be an idiot, but I think that here he knew exactly what he was doing. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting indeed. Huh. But wasn't it, well, no, I guess it wasn't his idea to go do it. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. That could be it, because he does a very bad job of negotiating this thing. That's very true. true. Also, yeah. I can confirm that the dude in Clarissa Explains It All was indeed named Sam. Yeah. All right. 
Clarissa was the only one that got a career out of that, right? <laughs> like Ferguson, yeah. Ferguson, he didn't he didn't have a career after that. I bet. Maybe what about like the mom, the parents? Maybe the dad did. I don't remember the dad in that show. Maybe the uh, dad did. <laughs> the dad did. Yeah. Jason Zimbler is that guy's name, and Clarissa explains it all. Is his last acting credit. Was is this that the dad? Ferguson? That was Ferguson. Did he die? Uh, not that I know of. Oh, okay. He I don't stopped know. acting. As it could have been as a result of a, a death. A death. I mean, I suppose that's one way to stop acting. Yeah. Fourth, I believe we need to add some new rules to the drinking game when we decide to re-listen to all of your fantastic content through the years. For example, sip whenever Kyle starts his opinions on an episode with this is and pauses. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's fair. Yeah, that's very good. Gulp whenever Eamon mocks Keith by repeating the last thing he said. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. Sip. When uh, Adrian Paul. I, I was hoping Eamon would do it. Damn it. That's not funny. Uh, <laughs> sip. When Adrian Paul tells us what we don't do. What we don't do. By the way, I was in Dallas at the Sword Experience. Had a great time. But we had been listening to your podcast episodes on the way down. And we always had a good laugh about McLeod's What You Don't Do segments. Well, during the class, Adrian was teaching and said, what you don't do, <laughs> I didn't realize it, but my wife, upon hearing that, had to hide her face because she started snickering under her breath and had to fight back the laughter. <laughs> Sorry, AP. Yeah. Guys, I think Adrian <laughs> listens to you. I don't think you should go to any more sort experiences without apologizing up front. Or don't, and just play it off. I don't run your lives. <laughs> right. You don't run us, Roy. <laughs> well guys I mean, Keith, when mm-hmm. we did the sword experience i thought you had the impression that he knew who we were and didn't care for us that was my impression is that true uh are you you two all together yeah oh no not anymore <sighs> but yeah i <laughs> think uh, talking i have to do that's right well, that's a, that's a very funny anecdote. Uh, I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah that is funny. <laughs> well, Whoops. guys, it's been fun. I truly look forward to many more episodes with the three of you rewatching my favorite show. And perhaps if you completely run out of Highlander content, there's always the next generation. Ooh. Take care and know that this email was all in good fun. Roy, thank you, Roy. Thank you, Roy. I don't know. Did you all have good fun with it? I think I did. I had great fun. Oh, great. It was fun, but was the fun good? Like mm. neutral good? Just chaotic. chaotic good. Chaotic good. Gonna get out one of those alignment charts and put mm. all of our reader mail into it. <laughs> Ooh, that'll be a fun exercise. That's right. That'll be, that'll be what we do next week. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, I have a Highlander sighting. Uh, I started rewatching Stargate SG-1. Uh, I think I texted you this yesterday, Kyle. Uh, you did. But in episode four or five, they go to some planet that's like a Minoan culture or something, but fucking Roland Cantos is the like king or leader of this this group of people. And he is a giant wiener again. Wow. Instant instantly on screen. Big wiener. Is he still bald? Uh he was wearing like a headdress, so it was not possible to see. He looked at when do you call it a headdress and not a hat? Oh huh when's like the what makes one one and not the other what am i like the riddler what makes one one has three has at least two features which is say it has a circular a circular brim uh and it doesn't cover anything that isn't the top of your head. Mm. Okay. Like you wouldn't say a hijab is a hat. That is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I guess I'm also wondering, does a, does a hat have a rigid rim as mm. well? I don't think that's necessary. Yeah, I don't know. Cause then you have a beanie. Does that count as a hat? Yeah, that's the thing I'm trying to think of. I feel like that probably shouldn't be disqualified as a hat. 
Mm. Interesting. And then there's like also like functionality, like hats are typically like protection from the sun. Yeah, but what about like Victorian ladies with like fascinators? Yeah. Are those are those hats? Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Rants off to you. Mm-hmm. Here we go. All right. Anyway. Hat discussion. Kyle, do you want this next E? Sure. This this comes from uh, our friend Jenny. Jenny. She says, Hi Keith, Kyle, and Avon. I'm really sad I'm so late to the party. I only discovered just discovered your podcast, and this is a fairly recent email. And I've been listening from the beginning. So now I'm only in season two. I know you're almost done with the series by now. But I wanted to tell you how much I love it. Hey, well, thank you. Thank you. My first exposure to Highlander, I was eight years old, and my sister and I snuck downstairs in the middle of the night to watch TV while our parents were sleeping. Ah, that's so naughty. Uh, We looked at the TV guide and saw Highlander. We had no idea what it was. The brief description was just, evil possesses a shaman. That was something (laughs) wicked from season four. What a great brief. Anyway, I'll never forget the feeling of magic and wonder I felt watching it. And my sister and I were hooked ever since. We spent hours carving swords out of tree branches and practicing sword fighting in the backyard. I also have some really embarrassing teenage diary entries about Adrian Paul. So do we all. That's true. Uh, You guys cracked me up. I've been listening obsessively whenever I get the time, and you've had me laughing out loud and almost choking on my coffee several times. Uh, I love how much you poke fun at it and and the inconsistencies, but you still love it at the end of the day. And I love how you mention questions and funny things about the show that I've always thought myself. Uh, My DVDs are well-worn from how much I've watched this over the years, and it's nice to hear that other people love it too. In the normal world, most people have never even heard of the series. Also, they look at you funny when you recite the entire introduction after a few drinks and talk about how awesome it is. That, I can confirm, is true. (laughs) Uh, Did that once at a party. Don't know why I thought it would go over. Oh, really? Yeah. It was a Halloween party, and I was wearing a kilt. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is appropriate. Because somebody said, are you the Highlander? And then I just said it. And it was, just, and they just like stared at me blankly. And I was like, no, sorry, I thought we were on the same page. I guess not. Mm. I want to know how they just got the blood. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say thank you. I enjoy listening so much and enjoy your enthusiasm, humor, and thoughtful discussion on the amaz- this amazing show. And I also just ordered your magnet set and I love them. They're fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm sad I only just found you now when you're getting to the final season, but you've added a lot of laughter and fun to my life since I started listening. Thanks for all you do and honoring this most amazing and epic show. Jenny, thank you so much. This is a very sweet email. Yeah, this is great. Thank you, Jenny. Very nice to hear. And uh, I'm glad you're with us now as we, you know, try to close out this thing strong. But we still have, like, a, a season. We've got some movies to get through. we got some work yet to do. That's right. Some spin-offs. Mm. Our spin-off. Some Spinoza. Yeah. All the right. <laughs> All right, I'll read the next one. Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven as well. Oh. What, what's a quote? Quote The Raven. You go, More mail. All right. I like that break to take a sip. We all got quiet for it, too. Very good. All right. You just want to hear that gentle sloshing sound. Um, Slosh. All right. Next email. Uh, this is from Michael B. This is a Patreon question from January of this year. Uh, so, Michael writes, uh, and we've had Michael on the show, correct? Yes. Yes. Mike's been on the show. Um, yes, Early in the show, there was music from famous artists such as Brian Adams, Joan Jett, Fine Young Cannibals, Kansas, and additional and an additional song from Queen. Why did the show shy away from that later down the line and went uh, went towards more bad synth music and obscure artists? Uh, well, we can answer that first, which is that the Japanese involvement in the show ceased to be, and they were the ones pushing like the rock and roll uh, avenue for the show. Uh, right. So w- once they pulled funding, there was no, you know, uh, impetus to do that anymore. Uh, and then the second part of the question is, 
Uh, also, what band's artist should have uh, been played on the show? Mm. Ooh. That's a good question. Yes. Kiss. Yes? Oh, the band, yes. Yeah, like, that's that was... A... <laughs> Wordplay. That's yeah, right. I think uh, that would have been fun, and they could have made a bunch of yes jokes. Where people just respond yes to that question? Yeah, and like they're like they answer things in roundabout ways. They'll fu- they'll see all these good people. They'll that sounds like a good direction for the show. Yeah, like yes, song puns. Okay, I like it. I think um, Red Hot Chili Pepper. <laughs> really? They all could have had their Dixon socks. Yeah. Hey, Don't... I mean, Flea Flea would have been okay. I think. Yeah. yeah, he would have been. He would have been good fine. in uh, Big Lebowski. Yeah, he would have been like crazy. I mean, people bring up, you know, like David Bowie. I mean, he's a little too big for uh, a Highlander TV show, perhaps. But, I mean, uh, they put a knockoff David Bowie in it. So. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what are some other bands uh, at the time that would We're have been We're talking about good? the episode of The Vampire and Lil Nicky Ward. Mm. Lil Nicky. Keith, your turn. I thought I said, well, I just jumped onto Eamon's Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, and I said David Bowie. Uh, oh, okay. All right, we've all given it No, that's fine. Now. But I think like, uh, nine, like I don't know. Just, would this be too early for like Marilyn Manson or something? I'm trying to think of like who were big figures at the time that like would have been fun. I don't know. Smashing I do think pumpkins? that was too early for him. Is Smashing Pumpkins count? That would be okay. I think their first album is like what, 95? Mm. Maybe? I'm on board. Little Billy Corgan. I mean, we got we got melt, right? We did get melt. Melt. Musical guest melt. Mm. You know, if we're talking about the end of the show, I actually do think Marilyn Manson would have made it. Would have made the cut. Yeah. Nine inch nails. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's like just an interesting personality would probably work okay, I think. Gallagher. Would you would you have liked to see other members of Queen Gallagher, like the comedian, mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to the, I don't know, hip hop artist Gallagher? I don't know. Uh, Gallagher <laughs> fight Duncan with his hammer versus a sword. There All we right. go. He's like, I will crush your head like a melon. <laughs> More weird puns, Kyle, for you. <laughs> That's what you keep me around for, baby. All right. That and to dispense dubious legal advice to fictional characters. Wow. All right, who's reading next? Because this is lengthy. I think it's your turn, Keith, unless you want to abdicate your responsibilities. I just read the last one. Oh, you did? I think it's it's me then. Oh, Or no, is it you? It's It's you, Eamon. It's you. Weird. Why don't we popcorn read this? You can trade off like halfway through because this, so this gets into a lot of details, uh, a lot okay. of sword sword fighting stuff, and I've got some pictures to go along with this email, so I can display them at various points. This is a whole multimedia presentation know, right? here. It's like a slideshow. This email <laughs> is from Anthony E. Fair warning, massive, massive sword nerd speaking. Okay, time to talk swords. Highlander was one of the things that really got me into swords back when I was a teenager. I'm a little older than you graduated in 1994 graduated what and highlander was (laughs) a big part of my teenage years when i was 16 i was able and able to get a job one of the first things i bought was a sword i think i bought it from atlanta cutlery for 50 dollars. i had no idea if it was a good sword or not but it was a katana and it was sharp and Thistles didn't stand a chance against my beheading skills. I can picture this so clearly, it's alarming. Yeah. I went from that to doing all the research I could on sword play and proper use of the sword. I joined an exhibition sword group after graduation and competed using swords that you had to make yourself out of dowels and other materials. You should have seen some of my creations. I am proud to say that I am the only one in my league who never had a sword break during combat. That's good. Just a uh, lame claim to fame there that rhymes. Ooh, I'm, I'm loving this rhyme screen scheme yeah. here. This could be like a, this could be an open mic eagle line. That's right. I went on from there. And I don't know why it shows him, but whatever. <laughs> Keep he's going. Good. He's a good rapper. 
I went up there and found an Aikido master who was willing to teach me Lido. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, which is basically just a kata and cutting straw mats with a sword. I considered kendo, but at the time, the cost of entry was too high. The armor you wear in that art is really expensive. Hmm. Is it Lido or Yado? I'm not sure. It's an, it looks like it's an I, and it is... Uh... Iado, it is a abbreviation of a, a different word, but it is the uh, associated with smooth control movements of drawing the sword. So uh, I think it's like a it's like a sword draw technique. Yeah, I, I've seen videos cool. of this. Like it's you take like a single uh, stroke, like on a straw mat or whatever, and so you're supposed to cut it like as cleanly and precisely as possible. Or whatever. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Iaido only required a sharp sword for the most part. Still an expensive proposition, but worth it to me. More than 20 years later, it is still thrilling to take a sword and make swift cuts on a tatami mat. There is something very zen about Iaido. Whoops. And I highly recommend it to anyone interested in swordplay, but that but doesn't want to get hit with one. Getting hit with one hurts. Trust me on that. Oh, is he actually talking about the, um, uh, the parrot from Aladdin? Yeah, that's right. Okay, this makes this all makes way more sense now. Gilbert Godfrey comes to every uh, match. Katana! He yells. Anyway, all that leads me to the attached images, images from a book I have about the art of drawing the sword, Iaido. In your most recent podcast about the tragedy that is the Big Finish audiobooks, <laughs> you talked a lot about swords. The Samurai was my favorite episode because it got a couple of things very correct. I love that there's, that. there's a sword grandfather. Ooh, that's <laughs> a cool book. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw up some pictures of this book while you uh, read, Amon. Carol Craig. Uh, I love that Michael Kent's sword was a Muramasa, and I always wondered if Duncan kept it. That thing would have been amazing to behold. You talked about how there are all kinds of myths and legends surrounding certain swords but none so much as the Muramasa. Obviously, you can Google that and read all about it on Wikipedia. Be sure to donate to Wikipedia. <laughs> Ooh. What Michael Kent said about the sword being tested on condemned men was true. When a sword was crafted, it was tested on prisoners who were sentenced to die. It was done so frequently that there were actually names for the cuts uh, the sword would perform. Uh... And we actually learned about that in uh, the Big Finish. Yeah. Right. yeah. There's Ooh, a picture of it. Crazy. Horrifying. Yes. Yikes. What a brutal body testing. Gross. <laughs> Bang for your buck. That's right. Imagine being underneath that person when, like, it doesn't work in one shot. Like, that just, just yeah. sounds so upsetting to me. Yeah. You should get, like... You sh they should get like a certain number of tries, and if they don't get through the person on top, you should go free. Um, here's a weird thing to bring up. Uh, I don't know if you remember a long time ago, we got an email from Emma P about how immortals poop themselves probably after they die. Oh, yeah. Ooh. And, and so, Kyle, to go off your thing about like, oh, well, what happens if they kill the first person but doesn't go all the way through? Well, I guess your dick's going to get <laughs> shit on or something. <laughs> oh so that's boy. also part of your death. Yeah. That's a way to go. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Uh, what Ugh. a brutal form of execution. Lethal injection seems like such a nice way to be executed. Hanging seems kind of terrible. Electrocution seems kind of terrible. Even the firing range seems rough. But nothing compares to knowing... It would be stacked up like firewood and ceremoniously chopped into little pieces. Yikes. Not to, not to get on my soapbox about this, lethal injection, a lot of litigation about how it is not a good way to go, about how the drugs are often formulated improperly, and people are literally being tortured, like, to death in some of them. But because there are various agents in it, some of them are just the paralytic agents that stop you from responding, not that, stopping, not that stop you from experiencing pain. So they can't, some people are like literally experiencing all this pain of death, but are incapable of communicating it. Lethal injection is a very problematic process to the point where many companies refuse to manufacture them or sell them. 
Anyway, moving on. Yikes. <laughs> Lethal injection, not a nice way to go. No. Go ahead. And likewise, I've actually heard that hanging can be, if it's done right, is not the worst. Weird to bring that up, but interesting. I don't know. Hanging chads. That's right. The Poor number Chad. Chad. Number of bodies a sword would cut through would be notched on the tang of the sword, just like Kent said. Sadly, I do not possess a blade with notches on the tang, but man, what a thing to have. Kind of gruesome, but still an amazing part of a culture that hung on so tightly to their ways. Another famous sword maker was Masamune. He plays into the Highlander world because he is the one Ramirez said crafted his sword, which Connor later broke and didn't even care. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. That's good stuff right there. That's funny. Uh, Duncan's sword, on the other hand, was crafted by Masahiro. He was a sword maker in the 17th century and was the student of Tadayoshi. Tadayoshi was famous, but Masahiro was not. So I'm not sure how or why they dug out that name to attach to his sword. It would have been cooler if Duncan was using a Muramasa that he had to battle its sister blade. Or better yet, if it was from the same maker as Connor's sword. That's Something interesting else. that they did yeah. like a super deep dive to like pull out someone obscure to have made his sword. But it's cool. Yeah, but thank you for that history lesson. That's yeah. Something else interesting about swords during World War II was that many soldiers bought uh, brought family heirlooms with them to battle. U.S. soldiers collected collected many of them as souvenirs after battles. While a lot of the swords were mass-produced for the Japanese military, there were a lot of national treasures that were taken to the U.S. as spoils of war. And I'll bet there are still swords sitting in garages from the war that are worth millions of dollars, but nobody knows about it. It is now a crime to take a sword like that out of the country. So there are very few master swordsmith examples to be seen in the U.S., and they very rarely, if ever, come up for auction. So anyway, I thought I'd geek out with some sword words for you. I'm not sure how much you care about any of it, but it is something I'm passionate about, and I just thought I'd share. The more you know, am I right? Keep up the great work and watch your heads. There can be only one Anthony. All Thanks. right. That was a cool email. Yeah, that was a cool great. email. I feel, I feel much smarter now, having uh, heard you read it. And thank you for the cool illustrations and for banging those up there, Keith. No problem. Happy to bang them up there. <laughs> Phrasing. <laughs> bang them on up there. That's right. No, they were really cool uh, illustrations. What a neat book. Uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time, Anthony, for doing that. All right. A couple more emails. All right. This one is from Malcolm, uh, who's a Patreon supporter. And this is from October of 2019. Uh, and the title of this is Malcolm the Wolfman Has Nards. So huh? here we go. Hey, hi, guys. Malcolm from the UK here. I just signed up to the Patreon and thought I'd drop you guys a line. I first saw Highlander on VHS back in 87 after my dad sent me to the local store to rent a movie. Yes, in the 80s, a 14-year-old could walk out of a local corner shop with an R-rated movie, although over here it was rated 15. So, you know, close enough. Now in my 40s, I've finally given in to my inner immortal and taken up traditional Korean sword fighting and archery. Cool. Uh, I've studied martial arts since I was 10, so both the movie and series tickled all my... Or, not tickled, ticked all my geek boxes. Could tickle a box too, I guess. I don't know. Uh, and now with your podcast, I get to relive it all again. Anyway, that turned into a bit more of a ramble than I expected, but keep up the great work. And if you want to give me a quick shout out, that would make my week. All the best, Malcolm. Well, you got those nards, Malcolm. So congratulations. Consider yourself shouted, baby. All right. Shep, Shep, let it all out. These uh, are the what we can't do without reader mail. That I Malk about. Malcolm. Mm -hmm. That's right. All right. Wow. All right. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And and um, is Malcolm from from? Oh, he's from the UK. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. Anime dubbing has a thing called fifteening, where they make them curse more, so they get the higher rating. So that's why in a lot of older anime dubs, there's lots of unnecessary cussing. I like you this Grandma Eamon character. 
Eamon, you've mentioned that before. Do you know why that is? Like, was the idea just that like, it'll sell more if it's for an adult audience? I think so. I'm not exactly sure. It's interesting, especially because now like with American movies, it's like PG-13 is like the goal. Yeah. Because they'll sell it like less people see rated R movies now. I don't know. It's interesting. It is. Hmm. I'm not sure of the reasoning. Maybe because anime is not for kids. That's right. Oh, yeah. Do you think it's just for that to like be like there's adult content in this, but kids are going to watch it if it's rated something lower? Mm-hmm. Huh. That might be. Interesting. Fair enough. Interesting. All right. Uh, am I next? Oh, no. Kyle, I just read that. Uh, ooh. All right. Subject, Tiger King theory from Dan. Uh-oh. Interesting. To relate the hypnotic dumpster fire known as Tiger King to our favorite subject, what if either Carol, this is Carol Baskin we're talking about here, <laughs> Carol Baskin's husband was an immortal and faked his death, or she is also immortal and took his head and had to get rid of the evidence, or she was his mortal lover and he lost his head to another immortal and she removed the evidence to protect the secret of the existence of immortality. Ooh, I'm loving all these fan theories about Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin. Have you ever seen, uh, what is it called? I think it's called Cameo. Yes. The like, service where you pay celebrities to, like... Say hello? Yeah, basically. It's like, they, they do, like, a very short message for someone, and you pay them somewhere between very little and a very yeah. lot of money. Well, I guess it has exploded during quarantine, in part because all these actors can't work. So they're just finding a way to fill their time. So like the roster of people who are doing Cameo has exploded. And now like some people think Cameo is worth like $300 million, which is completely insane. Regardless, apparently one of the most popular people is Carol Baskin. And she makes like six, they're, they're projecting she'll make like six figures a month based on Cameo appearances. Holy Whoa. shit. Because she'll charge like a couple hundred bucks and how many of them can you do in like an hour? Yeah. Many. That's crazy. Yeah. So Carol Baskin. Looming large love- during quarantine and cashing in while she's still notable. I, I saw- I'm a- oh, go ahead, Amen. I saw one that was um, Riker and he was talking about he was quoting Jonathan Frakes we're talking here Jonathan Frakes he was quoting Ralph Wiggum he was like they were making a baby in the closet and one <laughs> of the babies looked at me it was weird that's good I'd pay to hear him quote the Simpsons yeah you could probably pay 200 bucks and get it done I'm honestly surprised in this email that like who, who wrote this is this uh, Anthony who Dan Dan uh that you think Carol Baskin would be the immortal and not like, you know, uh, what's his name? The Tiger King himself. Ooh. I mean, he's the, I mean, he's fair. the character. He's the Highlander character, right? And he uses tigers to attack other immortals. That's right. Like, um, Key theory, the like Canis. That's right, like Canis. Key theory, they call him Tiger King because he has a bunch of tigers. I think that's true. Uh, just so you know, everyone, Billy D. Williams is three hundred bucks. Wow! <laughs> on on cameo. So it's like the situation, by the way, from Jersey Shore. Because I've looked that up. You can get uh, Brett the Hitman Hart for a, a cool one fifty. That's not so bad. Not I, have a, I have a request. How much is uh, Mr. AP? Uh, I'm searching for it as we speak. Adrian Paul is on there. Only one hundred dollars. Wow, what a deal! He generally responds within two days, allegedly. What do we want uh, Adrian to say? Can we just interview him again and do it like ten times with a bunch of questions? <laughs> <laughs> and then cut just it together. Pay a thousand bucks for it. Yeah, and we'll cut it together and release it. Have to do. All right. <laughs> and he's got thirty-six reviews right now. Ooh, how are those? Are they positive? They're all five stars so far. Ooh. Haven't seen anything negative. Good job. Way to go, AP. The constant Adrian professional. That's true. 
some of the uh some of these are a little alarming like thanks adrian i really needed to hear this been a big fan for a long time i needed this push to overcome my obstacles Ooh. yikes you've helped sad. me in more ways than you would ever know sometimes as adrian sometimes as duncan god bless you and your family so let's do reader mail number eight <laughs> <laughs> i think we just gave ap a massive plug by the way we should, oh, yeah. we should we should get like a, a little kickback from this if you get a cameo from Adrian Paul, send us an email and we'll give you 25% off your next Tide purchase. That's good. What? I don't know. How much would we charge on cameo? I, don't know. I think we'd have to give $1,000. <laughs> That's yeah. right. We would pay them to make us cameo. <laughs> would we have to do like a split screen cameo? I don't know. Can you do them like this? We'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. Anyway, ah, last email. This is it. This is it. Do you want to read this, Eamon? I feel bad. You read a long one before. I've read some shorter ones. I can read this one if you'd like. Oh, uh, you, buddy. Yeah, you read it, Keith. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, this is a uh, special Patreon message. Uh, and due to the content of this, I think we're going to keep the name private. So that'll be that. Uh, but it's a very nice email, and we thought we'd read it, I guess. Uh, so it says, uh, hi, gents. First of all, thanks for the podcast. On a somber note, I got divorced earlier this year. And when my dog and I were banished from the proverbial village that was our former lives, I discovered your podcast. It was so much fun that I felt uh, compelled to go back and rewatch the series for the first time since my teenage years. I haven't found my Heather yet, but you three make a good Ramirez. So I thought I'd join the VMOS level and give you a hand, brothers. That's very nice. Aw. Um, I could go on, but to keep things short, I'd just like to offer my thoughts on magic in the Highlander universe for you guys to discuss. Uh, when it comes to characters like Garrick, Kantos, and Cassandra, I actually don't mind it. Reason being that they use the power of suggestion to cloud men's minds, and if you think about it, all immortals are, to a degree, telepathic. Oh, like the buzz, I guess? Oh, okay. Huh. All right, I'm, pick all right I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Interesting. Uh, in addition to the buzz, Connor was able uh, to unsettle Garfield's mind with a focused gaze. Hmm. I have lots of thoughts on that. Um, let's they see can't. here. Uh, with a focused gaze. And at the end, this telepathy manifests itself uh, with him being able to hear the thoughts of all living things. If Connor can feel a stag's heartbeat or emasculate Garfield with a look, then I can buy that some immortals could also affect the minds of their opponents. That said, when it comes to Kane conjuring catwalks and teleporting or Kel stopping swords in midair and trapping Connor in a crystal ball from the Endgame trailer, then I have to draw the line. Uh, thanks again for making such a great podcast and helping me reconnect with my youth just when I needed it the most. I hope that my contribution helps to return the favor in some small way. Don't lose your head. Hmm. Oh, well, this, I don't know, this email touches me a little bit. Also, yeah. like, I definitely get the, the feeling of, like, when you're in a, like, a real shit place and, like, some weird piece of media weirdly helps you through it. I'm glad uh, we could provide some relief in a tense time. Yeah. What do you guys uh, think of that theory uh, about... Connor staring at Garfield and unsettling his mind? I don't know. He does really freak out, though. Yeah. I don't know how much of it is just, like, Russell Mulcahy doing everything he can possibly do with, like, the weird stare of Lambert. Right. And how much of it is, like, what else, but... Yeah. I mean, I never chalked it up to anything more than, like, I'm staring you down, motherfucker. Like, and that's it. Like, I don't know. Sure. That is I like, interesting. I like that interpretation. That's yeah, the definitely. great thing about film. <laughs> it's true. Film. What's a, uh, is there a weird piece of media that got you guys through a dark, a dark patch? Yeah. I can answer this pretty quickly. Uh, the very first time I uh, saw uh, one of my favorite comedians, Jimmy Pardo, uh, I got to talk to him after the show and I thanked him for specifically for his podcast. I would say it was his podcast and Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, getting through my days uh, when I owned a restaurant. It was really rough, but uh, on my drive to work and walk to work, 
uh, every day, I would listen to this podcast. And it was very helpful to like just calm the fuck down and like laugh at something. Uh, so that's been good. That is good. I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm also a big, big pardo maniac. Um, and he's he's gotten me through some tough times as well. Um, Kyle, do you have one? I'm trying to think. Yeah, I, I know that uh, when I went through like a really shitty breakup many years back uh, and was like moving into a little studio apartment, I like went through the entire back catalog of how did this get made and like tried to watch as many of the, which is a podcast about bad movies, and watched as many of those bad movies as I could. And that really like was a very welcome distraction from, you know, a, a raging dumpster fire that was going on at the time. And now here we are and it's all great, but it's interesting how you like connect with these things. Uh, and I'm really just so, so glad that, you know, our weird little thing could do that for somebody. Yeah, yeah great. me too. Um, now that I think about it, what I would do when I was a little more emotionally, I don't know what the word, right word is, rot or something, like back in college and right getting right, getting out of college, um, I would listen to audio commentaries on movies a lot, um, specifically the Evil Dead commentaries, which are really <laughs> funny. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and the, the Edgar Wright movie commentaries, um, like Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, Scott Pilgrim. Um, those, those, those are very helpful, um, uh, to listen to. Awesome. Uh, and they were fun and they made me want to, want to make stuff. And I haven't done that, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there's still a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, do you, I have a question for you, Eamon, not to get off topic. Do oh, you yeah. still listen to like director commentaries or like, yeah. yeah? Is that because like you, you buy a lot of like, blu-rays like animes yeah, yeah. like mm -hmm. it's weird like i don't know i i used to like around that age too like in college like i guess when my like dvd collection was growing or whatever uh, yeah. i would listen to like every commentary uh that like movies or shows had and like i haven't done that in forever and it used to be great like i feel like i learned a lot uh yeah they're, they're like when i'm streaming everything about what you're watching and also just like making media yeah, yeah. like uh, i feel like i almost like i've like lost information because i've stopped yeah. doing that where it's just like oh like what kind of shot is this how do they do it like when you're hearing that stuff a lot like it's a lot more at your fingertips yeah Eamon do you find that the like that the like content on like blu-rays is still like quality content like sometimes I'll see, see like featurettes or something like on YouTube and I'm just like this feels like an ad like it just feels yeah. schlocky and not like not like a true behind the scenes look at something no. It's a mix. It's a mix. Uh, yeah. um, like, you know, to sound like the ultimate, you know, nerd guy, like I get, I get a lot of the criteria on DVDs and those special features are always amazing. Um, and even on the Criterion streaming app, they, they, they have some pretty good extras. On oh, cool. Um, like you can watch interviews um, and it, they seem to conduct new interviews. Um, so they're they're really like keeping that that spirit alive. Um, like the John Wick DVDs, which I just recently got, they have good good special features. Oh, cool! Some some just have shitty, like ooh, where it is basically just like an ad. Um, right, or it's like all the actors just talk about how great the other people are in the movie, yeah. and it's an honor to work with them. It's like okay, cool. Like, uh, all right, cool. I mean, physical media, like I talk about my Blu-rays and DVDs a lot on this podcast, but like. During this quarantine, I've kind of gone a little nuts and spent a little bit too much money on like DVDs and stuff. But I just like, I read stories about like, you don't really own the stuff you buy like off iTunes and like Amazon and stuff. And like, I've heard yeah, like stuff disappearing if you didn't download it. So I'm just like, you know, yeah, I want to be able to watch my movies that I buy. <laughs> Totally. No, I I I do fair. the same thing at least with music. I still buy CDs. I don't Yeah. I mean, it's probably a weird generational thing. I'm just used to it, but like for similar reasons though, like I want to own it and I want to do what I want with my music that I bought. Uh yeah. and not like just sign a licensing agreement for however long whatever company has that agreement for. Uh yeah. so. Yeah. 
and I'll, I'll still get like a, I don't know. I'm trying to think the last Blu-ray I bought, but I don't know. I'll do it for certain movies. Do Very you. good. Love it. Love it. <laughs> well, thanks everybody. Oh, that's right. Um, thanks everybody for listening this week uh this was good so next week again is probably going to be the last reader mail episode for a bit uh when we go through all the the emails there's a slight chance it might be two episodes if it's like a shit ton of emails we'll see uh but yeah then we're gonna take a break uh just for a week and we're gonna reconvene and try to do the next season six episode which actually i'm not even sure which episode that is uh usually i try to tease our episodes ahead of time but I don't remember which one that'll be, but we'll get to it and it'll be fun. Uh, And we're going to try to do it in this Zoom format still uh, with video. So I don't know. It it might be a little different. Uh, We'll we'll learn how to do it better. So I don't know. Uh, If you have any other questions or want to, you know, get in on the action for next week's episode, hit us up. uh, Get in while the getting's good. That's right. Highlanderrewatched at gmail.com. And hit us up with an email about these episodes. If you have questions for us, whatever. Uh, It'll be great. Um, and yeah, I hope everybody's staying strong out there, doing what they can to help their local communities and people that need their help. So uh, thanks. Uh, we've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Bye. 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 Uh, that wasn't good um <laughs> it was the same as it always was i know and i didn't didn't feel right uh